Wednesday show. It is June 15th. Adam Azer, Scott White, and Chris Towers. If you miss Heath Cummings, just wait till Monday. He'll be back. And if you don't, you know, he'll still be back on Monday. But I didn't, I had no idea, no idea what to start the show with today. And then Chris just gave me some, some really weird news that he likes Lunchables. Yeah, Lunchables pizzas are great. Right. Lunchables pizzas? Yeah, I, I, I thought you were it. just going to talk no, about I love you know, it. The, 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 oh, no, no, those are, cheese. no, those are trash. Uh, Lunchables pizza, though, is divine. Mm, okay. <laughs> hey, what grade are you going into, Chris? Uh, seventh grade. Oh, okay, great. It's gonna be really fun. Makes sense then. Well, I still don't really know what to start the show with baseball wise, so why don't you, like, yeah, there was, there was Francis Martez, Derek Fisher, Mike Zanino, we can talk about those. You tell me, Scott and Chris, what should we start the show with today? Oh, I think the biggest thing is, is the two Astros rookies and how they performed in their first opportunities to play the role they're intended to have in the majors. I, I phrase it that way because obviously Marta's got a relief appearance earlier, but it was his first start. And especially given that he had an ERA above five, a whip above, above two, two yeah. at AAA, it far exceeded my expectations. He looked, he looked like the top prospect he is. I didn't get to watch the whole game, but the highlights, the curveball is really sharp. It's not, it's almost more of a slider, I think. Um, it's kind of a, it's definitely a swing and miss pitch. He throws it in the mid eighties and it looked really good last night. I, I'm trying to look up the numbers. I think he got seven swinging strikes with the pitch. Um, he had 12 swinging strikes total, which in five innings, I mean, it's not a bad number to he begin had with. Nine swinging minutes. strikes on 38 curveballs, averaged yeah. 84.7 miles per hour with it, had three swinging strikes on his fastball as well. Seven strikeouts, three hits, two walks, and one earned run in five innings against the Rangers. So it was, it was an impressive line. Now he's basically a two pitch pitcher right now. Yep. He's 21 years old. It's pretty clear he hadn't mastered AAA yet, even though it's a tough league and all. It uh, is it's still a lot of questions to answer here, but yeah. I'm giving him more, uh, I'm giving him more, uh, attention now, more, there, there's a greater possibility of me adding him now than there was obviously before this stuff. And, and one thing to keep in mind is 21 year old in AAA, that's young for the league, and it's possible that they just had him down in AAA throwing changeups, just nothing but changeups, and that could explain why he was struggling. You know, the, when you're, you, you always have to look at minor league numbers and take into account that teams are trying to develop these players as well. And sometimes that means they're, tr they're having them purposely throw, you know, their worst pitches to try to develop them. And Francis Martins had obviously dominated in the minors prior to this while being young at every level. So you yeah. take those minor league numbers with a bit of a grain of salt while also taking his first outing with a bit of a grain of salt as well. Mm. Very salty, very salty analysis there, Chris. And Francis Martez is two starts, has two starts next week. He's now 24% owned at Oakland and at Seattle. Meanwhile, Derek Fisher, former coach oh. of the Knicks, 23% owned, two for three with a home run, two RBIs, two runs, two walks. He batted eighth. He played left field against the Rangers. And the Astros put up a big number yesterday. They crushed the Rangers. Uh, who, a nine run inning. Who is, oh yeah. Who is more, uh, who are you more interested in adding? I mean, I'm assuming you're going to go with the pitcher, but who's more interesting of an ad? Francis Martez or Derek Fisher? It's definitely Francis Martez for me. I still have, there are concerns about whether Francis Martez will stay in the rotation when Lance McCullers and uh, Dallas Keuchel come back. But I have real questions about whether Derek Fisher is going to be able to play every day. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a, it's a concern for both. I, I mean, you said, Adam, that Martez has two starts next week. I don't know that that's a guarantee. Yeah. Um, so, I'm not, as of today, I'm not looking to pick him up to start him. I'm actually a little, I, it would depend somewhat on me, but I might be a little more inclined to pick up Fisher because I think the path to regular playing time is clearer. I, I mean, they just have to kick Nor Norichgad Aoki out of the lineup. And, uh, and then it'll be Fisher's job. And while the numbers at AAA compared to previously in his minor league career, you could dismiss it as, oh, it was a hitter's league. So obviously they're inflated. There's probably something to that. 
Fisher was pretty vocal, has been pretty vocal this year about altering his, uh, his, his launch angle, um, with the intention of hitting more fly balls. So, yeah, I, I don't know that it actually played out with more fly balls and the minor leagues, but it, it was clear that the fly balls he was hitting were more impactful. So, but it is, there's, there, there, there may be some legitimacy to that breakthrough he had at AAA where the numbers were just ridiculous. For me, it, it's not just a question of Aoki, though, because once Reddick comes back, they've been playing Marwin Gonzalez in the outfield. They still give Jake Marisnik. I think he's got like 15, 20 starts. So it's like, are they going to cut those guys out even more to play this guy? Maybe. Maybe. If he's really, you know, if he's really this good. Yeah. Um, but th- there are concerns about his playing time. Based on this one game, I would say Fisher is a higher priority for me now than than Lewis Brinson, who I think has similar playing oh, time. Oh, you took my question, Scott. Well, sorry. Good for us, though. That's, All's well that ends well, right? That's Let's just hope Derek Fisher you. gets to bat against Matt Barnes during the upcoming yes. Red Sox uh, Astros series this weekend. Now, if he, <laughs> if he is one of the outfielders for the Astros, would we say that Derek Fisher, like one of three outfielders, could we say Derek Fisher is in Houston's triangle offense? No. Okay. Because that would be in the defense. That's, damn it. Damn it. Okay, well, it's going to be tough to make any more Derek Fisher jokes. So coming up on today's show, I'm going to give you uh, some some players who are highly owned. I'm going to ask you if you have any issues dropping them. It's not exactly the drop-o-meter. It's like, yeah, there's a pitcher on waivers, and we drop this outfield or something like that. Well, I'll explain it more a little bit later. We're going to play buy or sell. We have listener buy or sell. I don't think we're going to have time for emails today, but we'll try at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. I have a new section called, I guess we should talk about pitchers who didn't pitch well, because that's what we do now. Uh, it seems every single day we talk about pitchers who didn't pitch well, but they include Johnny Cueto, Dylan Bundy, Michael Pineda, Irvin Santana, Tanner Roark, and Mike Leak. That's the entire list. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's rock and roll. So here's a pitcher who did pitch well. Taiwan Walker. And this is now, this was his first start off the DL, but going back before the DL stint, um, four good starts now in a row. 22 and two thirds, five earned runs, not a lot of strikeouts, but he did get them last night. Only, but 23 hits in those 22 and two thirds. Anyway, I don't know. Taiwan Walker is just very tricky to me. Not sure how I feel about him. So why don't you guys tell me how I'm supposed to feel about Taiwan Walker, who is 85% owned? Well, the issue for him continues to be that he's just a fastball pitcher. Like, he throws three other pitches, but none of them are any good. And that's been the issue for him this season. You know, you look at it below average whiff rates with every breaking ball, curveball, splitter, and his kind of slider slash cutter hybrid. Well, can I, can I interrupt you? Because let, let's take a look at the bigger picture here. Like, he does have a 335 ERA, Taiwan Walker. And the whip is not, or 332 rather. The whip is still a little high at 1.30. But um, he's been very good on the road, 2.30 ERA. He struggled at home, and we have reason to think that that could change. I don't know, in like a month, with when the mythical humidor finally arrives. So, like, has he really been like? Has he been bad? Has he been a disappointment? You know, you say the issues have been. No, he hasn't. He's been better than I think most people reasonably would have expected. But I think that's like the. The peripherals are still pretty mediocre. He's got an average strikeout rate, an average walk rate, a little better than average ground ball rate this season, but his strikeout rate is only average too because he got a lot more in April. Like the stretch where he's been quote unquote pitching well, yeah, it's been a pretty swing strike strikeout. Overall swing strike rates nine point eight percent. Yeah, okay. I just I'd rather have Martez. To be perfectly honest, Ooh, then Walker gap is like sixty percent. We just but... we know who Taiwan Walker is, and I we haven't seen a new version of Taiwan Walker the way we hoped we would have in the spring. Now he did only throw his curveball four times yesterday, and I think that's somewhat relevant just because that pitch isn't any good, and so maybe. But the slider and splitter haven't been any good for him either, so it's all right. So we know who Taiwan Walker is. I'm just saying, like he's he's. Got a 332 ERA. The last two years, it's been 456 and 422. Is it just luck? I mean, I guess well, it's his his FIP is 332. Yeah, uh, and his ex-FIP is 407, and his Sierra is over four. So I just I do oh. think there's there's an element of luck there. The fact the he has only game. given up four home runs, I think, makes the FIP look better yeah. than it is. I I don't think he's suddenly a home run preventer. Alrighty. 
So, uh, Logan Morrison, can we talk about him real quick and then we'll get to the rest of the show. Logan Morrison, 62% owned, is a top 10 first baseman. He's 10th in points. He's 13th in roto. And Logan Morrison just keeps having consistent weeks. He's not having huge weeks, but he hasn't had a bad week really this year. And that has made Logan Morrison the 10th best first baseman in points, the 13th best first baseman in Roto, as I said. More fly balls, better home run to fly ball ratio, more hard, hard contact. More, more fly balls in general. Yeah, that's, that's what fly I meant. Fly ball revolution guy. Yeah, right, right. That's what I meant. So Logan Morrison, 62% owned. How does he factor in with Justin Smoke? How does he factor in with Justin Bohr, Yonder Alonso, all the first basemen that have been trendy pickups this year? Well, I think he might. I mean, Chris and I feel differently about Justin Smoke, and I, that's probably the only one. We, we are both pretty high on on uh, Alonzo and Bora, I think. I, I have Morrison behind all three. And uh, I, that being said, I, I do think 60% ownership or whatever it is is too low. He's my starting first baseman in a 12-team points league, and he hasn't given me any reason to look beyond him. The longest he's gone without a home run this year is six games. So very consistent mm, wow. in the way he's providing these home runs. And even though that's basically all he's providing, um, you know, home runs are worth a lot. They are. <laughs> uh, so I think, you know, you look at a guy like Logan Morrison, who's 62% owned. Would you rather have Lomo or Pujols? Lomo. Logan Morrison, yeah. And then you start talking about, well, okay, maybe he's not your starting first baseman, but maybe he should be your utility. Would you rather have Logan Morrison or Cody Bellinger? Bellinger. Bellinger, yeah. Would you rather have Logan Morrison or Domingo Santana? Ooh, I want to add you. Um, what did you say, Chris? Morris. Yeah, I think so, too. But that's that's getting about and, and the right range. This is why the Anthony Rizzo thing is so huge. If you're the Anthony Rizzo owner, there's a pretty good chance you had a crappy second baseman. And now... You can start two of Justin Bohr, Justin Smoke, Yonder Alonso, Logan Morris. Feel like, bad about just, this? There's so many good first basemen that it's just it's a total game changer for your lineup because a big part of why Logan Morrison's only sixty percent owned is because he's a first baseman. Yeah. If Logan Morrison was a second baseman, he'd be a hundred percent owned and might be in our top eight. Yeah, but you sound you just sound mad about the Rizzo thing. Yeah, I am mad. You still like you're not over that yeah, yet. It still makes me angry. <laughs> I stay up at night every night, yeah. just yeah, tossing and turning. Ugh. I have night terrors. I, I want to thank everybody, by the way, for joining us on on Reddit yesterday. That was cool. We're gonna try to do that every Wednesday. So I know, obviously, like we don't get to your emails. Uh, you know, you send a lot, and we don't get to that to nearly enough. So this is another way to reach us on Reddit. R e d d i t. Also, just a cool place to get fantasy baseball info. Um, big news for you. Matt Shoemaker left with forearm tightness. He says he's not concerned. Uh, okay, we'll see. We'll see. Madison Bumgarner is on track to return after the All-Star break. Cole Hamels could start a rehab assignment tomorrow. Matt Kemp left with hamstring tightness, and, you know, they're sort of downplaying it day-to-day for Kemp right now. We mentioned that Billy Hamilton was slumping pretty badly. Well, he's dealing with a thumb issue. And he was out of the lineup yesterday, and it seems like that is having an effect on Billy Hamilton. Angels bullpen. Cam Bedrosian could be back on Sunday. David Hernandez got the save yesterday, but Bud Norris was unavailable. And when I read the, I believe it was the OC register this morning, they said, closer Bud Norris is unavailable. I don't know if that's definitive, but I take that to mean Bud Norris is going to be the closer when Bedrosian gets back. Your thoughts, guys? That's my assumption, too, though. I mean, Bedrosian's still the better pitcher, so yeah. I wouldn't, I would not, you know, have him too far away, especially if I'm the Bud Norris owner. I think Bud, I think that Cam Bedrosian, when originally he went on the DL, he was supposed to have basically a minimum stay on the DL. It has been so long. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I feel like that was one where before he went on the DL, they were like, they didn't put him on the DL immediately, right? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either, but that that sounds right. I, I don't remember it being a big deal at the time. All I remember, Chris, is that Anthony Rizzo is second base eligible. I just want to <gasps> remind you of that. Uh, Trevor Cahill is going to begin a rehab assignment soon. And this was a pretty trendy waiver wire pickup. He's 3-2 and two with a 327 ERA with 51 strikeouts and 41 and a third, a 1.21 whip. Uh, so just reminding you, Cahill with a little bit of control issues, but 
you know, you're desperate for pitching. He's probably dropped in a lot of leagues. Trevor Cahill. I jinxed Neil Walker. I told you I was going to talk about how underrated he is. Now I can talk about how injured he is as he went down to the ground running to first base and left with a leg injury. Sorry about that, Neil Walker. Yoana Cespedes sat with the heel injury. Scott, uh, is this the last time we're going to talk about Matt Harvey for a while? Probably not, I would guess. (laughs) But um, it does seem like he's going to need to DL stint. His, it's not clear whether there's an injury or it's just you know a his velocity situation. was way down yesterday. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. and then he said he had a tired arm yesterday, and you know, <laughs> yeah, tired, I have a feeling tired neck from watching all those home runs go out of the park. I oh. have a feeling uh, we're going to hear a lot more about this injury in the days ahead. Yes, I have a crystal ball, and uh, it's looking ahead to tomorrow. And where I go, injuries, news, and notes, Matt Harvey's on the DL. So looking forward to that. Also, do you know who hit a home run off Harvey yesterday? Three people did. Yeah. (laughs) Cubs Cubs second baseman Anthony Rizzo hit a home run off Matt Harvey yesterday. Ah, yeah. Second straight Uh, game with the leadoff home run, right? Also, Cubs second baseman Ian Happ hit a home run, and Cubs hopefully catcher Kyle Schwarber hit a home run. Hit a ball. He hit a, yeah, shot. More to the the heart of the matter on Harvey, like – I'm I'm always okay dropping a player who I think nobody's going to pick up if I drop him, and I think we've arrived at that place with Harvey. His his velocity, like the last like twenty or so pitches, I don't, he didn't top ninety two miles an hour. No, it was a major issue. In fact, he he started to pitch pretty well, Harvey, in like the second and third inning, and they had somebody warming up in the bullpen because they they noticed his velocity. He said he he turned around and said and saw eighty seven miles per hour, and he hasn't thrown eighty seven since high school. So. There's something going on there. Hopefully it's nothing serious, but either way, I'm dropping Harvey in the one league I own him in, and I imagine a lot of people will. Jason Kipnis was scratched with neck spasms. Josh Reddick is on the seven-day concussion DL. And two notes for you. August 25th through the 27th is Players Weekend. August 25th through the 27th. So let your hair down, players. You will be able to relax your uniform policy and put nicknames on the back of your jerseys. All MLB players. Yeah. uh, That's... Love it. That's so. That's so silly. And they're gonna sell the jerseys. Little league. They're gonna. Well, they're gonna sell the jerseys, and proceeds are going to something. But this is looks like a money grab. But uh, yeah. Well, what, what nickname would you guys have on the back of your jerseys? Um, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a nickname. You know, nobody's ever like. I, I've worked in like sports media for, you know, going back to college and everyone in sports media just calls you by your last name. That's kind of the thing. It's like, oh, Towers. Yeah. That Tower of Power. No, nobody, nobody ever called, called you Tower of Power. Tower of Terror? No, no Tower of Terror. We actually had, um, ger- like CBS Sports. Um, you know, they had, they, we, they, they made like little, little jerseys for people. They had everybody yes. pick a number and what they wanted on the back of their jerseys. I guess it's kind of like a team building thing. Wow. My and, time. uh, it was. I had white on the back of my jersey. Oh, I, I had think the you best had Rowan one. Gardner. I had uh, Rowan Gardner. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> people tell me I look like Henry Rowan Gardner. <laughs> I've heard that since the movie came out. So yeah, that yeah. was a good one. I even got his I number. Don't. I think it was number one. Okay. Um, and uh, just last thing I want to say, very important, other than Anthony Rizzo being second base eligible, the MLB draft is the most ridiculous thing in sports. Like, why do we have so many rounds? So we can just draft the family members of former baseball players? Like, I think Tom Glavin's son in the 37th round or something like that. Yeah, Dusty Baker's son. Dusty, Dusty Baker's Baker, son. The, the kid from the play at the plate. Yes, yes, actually, yes. When he was like three-year-old bat boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, in the World Series, JT Snow scooping him up. But why, why do we have so many minor league levels? Why do we have so many, like, it's ridiculous. There are too many people playing baseball that have no chance of playing major league baseball. I don't understand the whole system. It is ridiculous. It is a waste of time and money. Well, you know, those. Tell that to 16- Albert Pujols. Tell, tell that to Mike Piazza. Alright, exactly. Adam? No, exactly. they can, those guys those never players... would have gotten a chance if not for the depth of the Major League Baseball system and the game would be poorer for it, uh, sir. It's dumb. Anthony yeah. Rizzo's second baseman. Quick shortstop update for you. Uh, Andrelton Simmons homer, Didi Gregoria singled, so Scott is winning the bet so far. 
Chris Taylor is 48% owned, and while he has stopped hitting, Chris Taylor has stolen three bases in his last two games, so that's neato. And let's do our new segment. I guess we should talk about pitchers who didn't pitch well because that's what we do now. <laughs> Johnny Cueto didn't pitch well, guys, and he has a 457 ERA, and quite frankly, I'm sick and tired of giving Johnny Cueto a free pass. Agree or disagree? I disagree. Like You disagree that I'm sick and tired of giving him a free pass, Scott? How dare you? No, I I disagree with the concept of being of being sick and tired of giving him a free pass. Fair enough. Because every time he pitches, I feel like I hear this. This was his worst start of the year, probably. There was one that was comparable, like in early April, uh, but this was more or less his worst start of the year, and he gave up less than a run per inning still. And I just look at the game log. You know, leading up to this game, he had allowed three earned runs or fewer in seven of nine. He had pitched six innings or more in eight of those nine. There are probably a lot of individual 450 ERA starts in there, but, like, they're not the kind of starts where, particularly with a guy with his strike every more than a strike up or inning during that stretch, that you're going to be disappointed you had him in your lineup. And I also just think, like, what are you going to do with him? Well, you're not dropping him. No, but I'm a little, a little you're not hesitant. trading him. I'm a little hesitant to buy low. I, I still think he's I'm a buy not. low. I just, like, you know, we see, we see a bunch of ridiculous trades get made every day. If I could trade Cody Bellinger for Johnny Cueto, yes, of course I would, but I don't, I don't value Cueto. I think like, you could, potentially. I think you could, yeah. Not I don't in think our that's leagues. a ridiculous offer to make. Well, you couldn't in our leagues, like, I guarantee it. But, in a lot of leagues you could. I think it's worth it. But, uh, alright, is he still top 12 pitcher? Or yep. top 15? Whatever. Top 15, yeah. Top 12. It's kind of crowded and he's probably pushed out of that, but, like, my only real concern with him is he has, what, the three blisters on his hands, mm-hmm. but considering he's been able to pitch through it. I think it just makes him tougher. As well as he has. <laughs> Builds character. That makes sense. Like, he's, again, he's not getting throttled. This was his worst start and, Less than a run per inning. So what does that say? Uh, this well, this was his worst start other than Coors Field. Yeah, it's fair enough, Scott. Good, good argument for Cueto. I agree. Uh, no, uh, do I agree? I'm more convinced. You've talked me off the ledge. D- Dylan Bundy did not pitch well yesterday. Regression. What'd you say, Chris? Let, let's be positive. Strikeouts. About this start. What? Fourteen swinging strikes, Ooh. and more importantly. 93.8 miles per hour average fastball velocity. Not quite where he was last season, but when he was a starter last season, he was in the the low 94 range, so this is right there. Yeah. He seems to be gaining as the season goes on, and I think that's a good thing. Yes, I and I, I wanted to say that we, as we've talked so much about sell high on Dylan Bundy, well, he's get, doing a little better with the strikeouts lately. He has 14 in his last 16 innings, and I've been watching him a lot, and the breaking pitches are so good. He looks good. Like you watch him, the fastball moves a lot. I like, and I think the fastball is getting better. Like you said, yeah. you know. So I'm not. This was a bad start. I'm not so sure that that we're not underselling Dylan Bundy. Though. I wrote about him uh, before I was out, and my whole thing was basically just that, like, we've seen so little of Dylan Bundy that we still don't really know who he is. You know, he was a different pitcher last year than he was, than he is this year. And so, you know, we're about 200 innings into his major league career and it's still like Dylan Bundy's still kind of a blank slate. And if his velocity picks up and he keeps throwing this slider, there's a chance that Dylan Bundy actually pitches better moving forward and just has the same results he's had so far. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next up, Michael Pineda. Another bad road start. Pineda's got a 196 ERA at home and a 625 ERA on the road. Does that make any sense to you? And do you buy that split for Pineda? No, I don't really buy it. It's Michael Pineda. I buy it maybe to the extent that if you believe the theory that the reason he's pitching better this year is because he's not losing concentration between pitches like he did in previous years because he's playing for a contract or whatever, right? It's not the craziest theory I've ever heard. But if you buy that, then it, that he's that kind of mentally, I don't know, the fragile is the word, but, you know, that, 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 that there's, there's so much, uh, so much of his game is mental 
then it might make sense that he's not as focused on the road as he has, is at home. Mm. So that might be an explanation mm. for it. Okay. All right, so his worst start of the season is his first one, gives up four runs in three and two-thirds innings. His best start of the season is his second one, gives up one run in seven and two-thirds, strikes at 11. We were all freaking out. Oh, my God, Michael Pineda is amazing. Hey. Let's just toss those out. Okay, Let's fine. just throw those away, his best and worst start. His 11 starts since then, he's got a 366 ERA and less than a strikeout per inning. Pretty good whip, but it's just he's he's just Michael no, Pineda. No, 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 no. He's not just Michael Pineda with a 366 ERA. If you're going to tell me that Pineda's going to have a 366 ERA and the whip that we expect from him because he doesn't walk people, that's a really good, reliable fantasy pitcher. Michael, the real Michael Pineda has been a but terrible he's not, pitcher. Like he's not reliable. Well, like he's he had has, he has been this year. He was in May. He's look. We said it last time we talked. We argued about Pineda is that. In two years, he had not had a stretch as good as what he had had this year. Uh huh. And I know he's not going to be like great every time out. Nobody's expecting that. But three, you're telling if 366 ERA rest of season, I will take that from Pineda. Are you going over or under? I I think that's a fine place to set the line. He's had three bad starts this year. Three, and one was the very first outing that you were throwing out. No, he's he's had two in his last three. He had two immediately following his best start where he only went five innings and five and a third, which what I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to use the Scott White. Well, I'm, I'm saying like if I'm classifying like that they weren't start d- as if this, if this start was in my lineup, would I be disappointed that I started mm-hmm. him? And I only see three there where that's the case. Ooh, wow. That seems low. All right. Let's do this play a fun game. Was this a bad start? Obviously, the first game of the season for Michael Pineda was. Come on, game log. Why? You, there we go. Uh, how about how about five innings? Five, okay. Yeah. No, I could buy that, Scott. I could buy that for sure. First inning, mm. first outing, and then the two of the last three. Mm. I just like. I think he's fine. I think he's useful. But like, the idea that like we're seeing like a Michael Pineda breakout. I guess because he's not. Bad. Yeah, that, that's that. But I just something. Like, what, what top? What is? It? He's what, not. What he's not pitchers? striking guys out as much as he was. His strikeout rates under a strikeout per inning for the season and for uh, and for this stretch especially. And I, I, just, I think he's probably just a guy, and he's just a guy who also has a really bad <laughs> I, track record. Chris, I hate him. you right now. He has seventy-seven okay. strikeouts in seventy-seven and two-thirds. Yeah, but over the last 11 starts especially, he has 16-66 innings. All right, five. Like, I don't know why that's... He said a strikeout per inning. It's, it's not really bad. a knock against it's, him. Well, because he was supposed to be an elite strikeout pitcher. Okay, well... Okay. If he, but but, For, but that's the, the idea that he's going but to be an ace. But that's the thing, is that... Okay, like, and, and that's what I'm saying. There are very few pitchers I can say I want I in my lineup he's just a guy. Like, I'm that, not going out to buy Michael Just a guy in 2017 Pineda. at starting pitcher is a really valuable piece. Uh, I think he's fine. I'm not it. going I out to this. buy Michael Pineda. That was excellent. I love it. Okay, moving on from Pineda. Irvin Santana, Tanner Roark, Mike Leak. They've all, well, uh, let's do Santana and Leak because they've overachieved this year. But I don't know. Like, Leak seems like he's coming back down to earth. Santana has had four starts in his last eight, allowing five or more earned runs. The previous three, he's responded with at least seven shutout innings. So he'll probably be great next time out. But do you guys have anything uh, amazing to say about Irvin Santana, Tanner Roark, or Mike Leak? I think Santana and Leak were just seeing the inevitable play out, maybe a little later than we expected. And it doesn't mean either's just trash now, but um, the bet their best is behind them, and and you can expect more hiccups going forward. The captains of the just a guy all stars. <laughs> okay, so rank. All your Jags, all your just the guys, Chris. Your Santana, Leak, uh, Pineda. Pineda's definitely number one, and then Santana and Leak. Wait, you all that talk about Pineda, and you're putting him ahead of Santana and Leak? Yeah, interesting. Scott, I'm not sure. Like, I think kind of we're getting lost in rhetoric here, because I'm not sure when it. What, what do you rank Pineda? Rhetoric. Uh, I think I have him. Between twenty, I might have moved him into the top twenty-five just because I got sick of the rest of the guys behind him. I'm sorry. Did you just say you moved Pineda into the twenty-five? Let me see. 
Yeah, he's you, you understand fiber. the issue that I'm having but here. But that's mostly just because, like, I look at, like, the Kyle Hendricks, Masihiro Tanaka, Rick Porcello, uh-huh, Jose uh-huh. Quintana, that's, Julio That's exactly Toronto like stretch. what we were just saying. If any of those guys goes on a three-start stretch where they look like themselves again, I will gladly move them ahead of Michael Pineda. And put Pineda all the way back toward 30, that that just the guy, Michael Pineda. He could drop all the way to 35, my friend. Uh, <laughs> Wow, okay. Right, I'm glad insightful. we got to the bottom of that. Yeah, all right. So I think we are on the it's same page. It's a reluctant 25. <laughs> I can see that. Um, I held my nose. I made a face. I mean, look, I, I actually disagree with where you have Pineda. Like, you have Pineda ahead of Strowman. You have Pineda ahead of Quintana, Porcello, Tanaka. I I mean, Marco Estrada. I don't trust Like I Pineda. said, if any of those guys goes on a nice run right now, I will very happily move them ahead because I trust all of them more. But Pineda's been better this season. Okay. Well, regardless, um, you know what? I just want—I do want to speed this up, guys. So, who do you think you're more likely to drop in like a month, Irvin Santana or Mike Leake? Mike Leake. I agree. What about Tanner Roark? Could you ever see a point where we're dropping Tanner Roark? Potentially sure. today. Like, I don't think it's crazy to do it right now. Yeah, he—he was—he had three pretty good starts lately. Yeah, just, there was a stretch. Where he said, oh, I figured it out. I was gripping the ball too tight. And then, you know, two good starts. But then since then, three awful ones again. And um, Grip the ball less tight, Tanner. Come on. He had he had some kind of similar excuse for this start. <laughs> but it's getting harder to buy, personally, for me. Okay. Um, says he was holding the ball too long. That was what he said. Was there he a has... pitcher? Sorry, Scott. Was there a pitcher that really, other than Martez, that made you think, ooh, I should pick this guy up? Because I picked someone up yesterday that I like woke up and hated myself for doing it. Um, but it wasn't Jason Hamill, but I think you can make a case for him. Uh, yeah. it, it was Jordan Zimmerman. No, I'd, I'd rather have uh, Roark. I would, too. Yeah, no, but no, I'm no, keeping an separate... eye on Zimmerman. I mean, he's, he's talking about how he changed his slider grip, and it seems to have coincided with these three, this good yes. start stretch. It's it's kind of a good start stretch, like a Taiwan Walker good start stretch, though, where, you know, three three strikeouts here, six strikeouts there. I, Little... I picked Zimmerman up because I have nothing but one-star pitchers in this particular league next week, and he is a two-star pitcher, and I'm pretty sure one of them is against the Padres. Uh, and he said that he felt like he had his best stuff as a Tiger. Yeah, he's at Seattle and at San Diego next week. I don't know that I'll start him, but I dropped Lewis Brinson for Jordan Zimmerman. I do wish the strikeouts were a little bit better, but maybe I'm just going to catch him during his hot streak. And, yeah, I, I mentioned the slider thing three starts ago, and, and you said you needed to see more, which was totally understandable. We've seen a little bit more from Zimmerman. It's been three good ones in a row. And hopefully you can keep it up next week. Just hoping that Padres start is a good one. All right, more on uh, on those types of pitchers, those fringy starting pitchers a little bit later. And then we will soon do buy or sell. First, I'm going to give you a name. You tell me, do you have any issues dropping these guys? And I'm going to frame it in the context of, like, you don't have to drop them for the same position. There's this pitcher that you see on the waiver wire that you really want or – you're, you need, you want Mike Zanino. You want to see where this goes with Zanino, who, by the way, is saying like 380 or something with five home runs since coming back. Uh, all right, here we go. Ender Enciarte, 88% owned. Do you have any issue dropping Ender Enciarte? I'm fine with it. I think he's a jag in outfield. <laughs> you're jag, that, man. That said, though, he, three he, outfielder leagues, yes. Going into the last, going into yesterday's game when he had a couple of hits, 19th in points, 24th in roto for Ender Inciarte. Still think yeah. he's a jag? Well, yeah. I mean, there, there were a lot of home runs early that contributed to that that seemed fluky and have calmed down since. And yeah, he's uh, got one since like the second week of the season. He's, he? he's like a rich man's Nick Markakis in that the point production is always going to look better than you think it will at the end of the year, but right. the ride is just kind of boring and you can live without him. Okay. 10 steals, so if you need steals, then it's different, but. All right, Ender Enciarte. How about Nomar Mazzara, 90% owned? Yeah. What what question are we answering are here? You, are you okay dropping these guys? I Absolutely not. In a five outfielder league, absolutely in a three outfielder league. What about yeah. a four outfielder league? Four outfielder league, I've never played him before, but I imagine I could flip a coin. Right, I'm like pretty was- sure... 
I'm going to check now. I'm pretty sure the standard Yahoo League is four outfielders and two utility. Bunch of Yahoos. <laughs> um, that's the league that I forgot to start, Jacob deGrom. This it's week. basically five outfielders then, right? Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, well, no, outfield. Outfielder first baseman, I guess, would be uh, the most so, likely utility player. So, Nomar Mazzara was leading baseball in RBI after the 14th game of the season. He had 17. Uh, was hitting 328 with a 957 OPS in that time. Since then, he has 27 RBI in 47 games, which is a decent pace. That puts you right around 90 for the season, but 263 average, 750 OPS, four home runs. It's he, just He does nothing. He doesn't give you fantasy stats. He's just... He, we need to remind ourselves, I think, pretty regularly that this dude's only 22 and yeah. like just turned 22. He's a baby. He's 6'4", 220 pounds. Like, I believe in the talent. I believe he's going to be very good someday, but he's just, he's still figuring it out. Okay. So, good, good way to frame it. Three outfielder league, you could drop Mazzara. Four or five outfielder league, less certain there. Jose Peraza, believe it or not, is a top 15 shortstop. And if oh, Billy- I believe- if Billy Hamilton's out, then he could be leading off like he did yesterday. But Peraza's 75% owned. Are you cool cutting him loose? I, I Roto, I mean, I think you probably need the steals, and you have enough lineup spots to yeah. fill in the standard Roto format that for the steals, that's, he's always going to occupy one of those spots. But uh, points league, there's, you know, just... Or, or even a head-to-head categories league, since the lineups are typically much smaller. I think he's expendable in both of those formats. I'm sorry, I was wrong. A Yahoo standard Yahoo league is three outfielders and two and two utilities. So the the, the thing about Peraza is he's been mostly the same player he was last year. Almost the same amount of plate appearances. Got a few fewer steals, a few more runs. Strikeout rate, walk rate's exactly the same. The difference is his. Babip has regressed 73 points. And if you believe he's going to be a high Babip guy moving forward, then he can hit 290, 300. But the quality of his contact is really bad. Okay, we got some interesting ones coming up now. Any issues dropping Will Myers? Yeah, I'm not doing it. Will the thrill. You know, <laughs> I'm... No, I guess you can't. I just, I don't know how we could think this guy was a top, what, 70 player two months ago and just like drop him. Well, uh, there's a few reasons for that. I mean, he's, he hasn't run like he did last year, right? He's got 10 steals, right? Uh, he has eight Eight steals. All right. So, all right, let me start over. (laughs) There are a few (laughs) reasons for this, right? (laughs) Um, his, Production last year was so dependent on like an elite power profile that has been kind of muted in this environment. A, A, it's gone down just by his own production and B, it's not as valuable as it was at this point a year ago. First base, remember coming into the year, first base looked like it was kind of thin. Right. And certainly <laughs> that's changed. Uh, you know, I, I had this thought. When Chris Davis, Cyrus Davis, went down with the oblique injury recently, it's like, finally, I can move him behind this glut of first basemen who, you know, like, like the Justin Bohr and the, and, and Justin Smoke, Yonder Alonso, that whole group. Finally, I can move Chris Davis behind. I'd been reluctant to do that because it's Chris Davis and he's like fantasy royalty and you just feel like you're going to regret that in the long run, but, I mean, even if Chris Davis, even if Will Myers, you know, even if they get back on like a 30 homer pace, what does it really mean? Like, they're not great peripherally. They strike out a ton. Yeah. I guess I'm saying that specifically for points leagues, it's not the craziest idea. I'm not ready to do it yet, but I, I could see that day coming soon. I just, I feel like he's going to go on a heater over the next, like, just pretty soon and just. Yeah. Right, I mean, but... it, it was, it was probably not much earlier than this last year where I dropped Will Myers in such a league and obviously regretted it the rest of the year. So I mean, he, he just needs to try. He needs to try. <laughs> like last year, he didn't try after the All-Star break. Now he's not trying before the All-Star break. But here's the thing. I, we had a guy in our podcast, Points League, send a note to the league. I don't want Will Myers. I will trade him for something cheap. I couldn't even make a trade offer because it, it is that is specific to a head-to-head Points League. His plate discipline is so bad 
that you can do better than that at but first base. But it's probably going to improve too. Like it this is the worst is. it's ever been. It probably is, but like last year, this is wasn't league, bad. This is specifically a twenty-one man roster league, so kind of small mm-hmm. rosters, five man bench, and obviously being a points league, you want to maximize your pitchers, right. But what, the number of pitches you what I'm saying is last year he, his plate discipline wasn't that bad. Like a ten percent walk rate, twenty three percent strikeout rate. He struck out a hundred more times than he walked. I mean, that's, that's never that's never a good. But that's not bad. Like that's pretty typical for someone who gets that many plate appearances, especially if you produce as much as he did. So it just all right. But all right, in the meantime, right. what it like? You're probably right. You're probably right. Just but seems like meantime, an overreaction to two months. You're you're going to be losing games by just by having him occupy a bench spot for you that could go to a two, another two star pitcher or whatever. Like it's mm-hmm. it's hard to justify, particularly if you already have certain players like that. Like this is the league where I owned Gregory Polanco and finally pulled the plug on him. Um, you know, if if you have Cyrus Davis, if you have uh, Cargo, you know, you have a hitter that you're just trusting will come around eventually because of the track record, and you're he's already filling, you, you know, one of your one or two of your bench spots are already filled by a guy like that, then adding another to the mix is just, it feels crippling. Well, even yeah. Even if you believe in the skill set. I, and I think record has a lot to do with it too, because look, it's not that we're so deep into the season, but if you play in the, in a fantasy playoffs, right, that start in say week 20, well, we're getting pretty late. Next week's going to be week 12. You, you know, a big chunk yeah. of your season's over. And it, like, I could see you dropping Will Myers to get Logan Morrison in your lineup if Lomo has a bunch of righties next week. You might regret that long term, but how long are you supposed to wait? You know, it's it you gotta make tough decisions. And with the way hitters are now, I think you can afford to think outside the box a little bit mm-hmm. and start and play hot hands if you can just always assume that in a shallower league, like a ten team league or this twelve team points format that we talk about a lot because it's standard on CBS, there's always gonna be a hot hand out there on waivers. So, I don't know. I mean, it's part of the changing landscape, but I, I can understand people getting very frustrated right now. You're, you're halfway through your regular season, and you're holding on to these bums, and actually, <laughs> you know, I think we might have to save it for tomorrow, because we've gone long here, but a lot of people want to know about Francisco Lindor, who's been struggling for them for over a month. Nobody's dropping him. A lot of people want to know about Carlos Santana. We're gonna to get to those guys, maybe tomorrow. Um, let's do more, uh, are you ready to drop these guys? Any issues dropping Michael Franco? I'm fine with no. that. No. Any issues dropping Troy Tulowitzki? No. I'm perfectly fine He's with He's 84% owned enough already. Any issue dropping DJ LeMayhew? I'm not ready to say DJ LeMayhew is worse. Uh, course Field obviously makes for a, for a, you know, it, it, it improves the odds of him going on this kind of crazy run that Gets his batting average back well over 300, and he'd done that a couple years in a row. So I don't think it's he's been bad enough for me to really lose faith in him, even though obviously he's not really uh, impacting my second base spot in the way I thought he would. I think it's fine to drop him in a shower league, but it's not a must. All right, that's DJ LeMayhew. Buy or sell. Buy or sell from Chris. Buy or sell that Didi Gregorius will be better than Troy Tulowitzki rest of season. I buy it. I'm gonna move him above him. I'm gonna sell it, but it's not going to make, take much for me to make that change. And I like as a hot hand move, dropping too low for DD. I'm fine with it. Buy yourself from Danny Miguel Cabrera, top eight first baseman, rest of season. Bye. Bye. From Doc Crotzer, who's our theme song guy. You can any buy or sell you want, Doc. You you are permanently in the show. Buy or sell Aaron Judge finishes 2000. 18. Oh, next year. Top 10 outfielder in a roto league. Um. My gut, and I'm not really sure I can go with anything other than that, considering I have Judge as a top 10 rest of this season. I think only my gut could tell me no on this. Just feel like there will be a little bit of the league catching up to him. Um. His size gives him such a big strike zone. I can see next year being a little underwhelming. Not that I think he'll be bad. He'll still probably be top 20, but I'm going to go no on this. I, I will feel – I'm actually weirdly would feel more confident answering this question after we see a slump. I feel like we will know a lot more about Aaron Judge 
whenever the inevitable slump comes because I want to see how low the slump goes. I, it could get really bad for him really quickly, the way it did for Giancarlo Stanton last year. He had um, a slump. He had a slump earlier this season. He had like a stretch where he didn't homer in May, but he still had like a 460 BABIP or something. I was looking it up yesterday. From like oh. May 2nd to May 26th, he had like three home runs, but he still hit 300 because his BABIP was crazy. And it's like we just we haven't seen any correction from him that's naturally going to happen. And I want to see what it looks like first. Okay, well, maybe it just will never come. If if Aaron Judge hit 247 with 42 home runs and 102 RBIs. Yeah, Chris Davis was pretty good last year. <laughs> he was number 11 in Roto. He was number 18 K-Riss Davis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 247, 42 homers and 102 RBIs. I mean, that's I see that a being. pretty fair, realistic yeah. projection for him, I think. Like, he's a guy that strikes out a bunch, but hits the crap out of the ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, Chris Davis, I think, is second in exit velocity to Aaron Judge. Davis is having another good year. Um, he's real good. Okay, Matthew Jacobson, buy or sell Dylan Bundy finishes the season top 24. In points leagues, Dylan Bundy. Where is he right? Uh, sell, because he's probably going to have an innings. He's probably going to get cut off in August. Or I'm September. not sure he has more than 60 innings left. I was looking at it when you guys were talking about him earlier. He's through a little more than 100 last year and is already up at 80 now. So, hmm. interesting. Okay, John says buy or sell. Scott Shebler trends down. Lorenzo Kane and Gregory Polanco trend up. Uh, I'll. I'll buy that, but I buy the Kane and Polanco part easier than the Shebler part. It'll probably be all the across the board to some degree, but I don't think Shebler's going to or just bottom out and become someone we don't want in mixed leagues. Yeah. Lorenzo Kane, by the way, has five home runs in his last twelve games, so he is hot after two pretty pedestrian to lousy months. Buy or sell from Bill. Justin Bohr is a top 10 first baseman rest of season. Sell. I also sell, though mostly because there's a lot of competition there. I like that he spelled Bohr like the animal. That's, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Helps you remember how to say it. Buy or sell from Alex. Homer Bailey is a top 40 starting pitcher. No. It's yeah. probably been like four years since that's been true. I buy or sell Homer Bailey is a top 100 starting pitcher. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'll move him in my top 100 once he makes his, uh, season debut. This is from Mike. Buy or sell Jacob Faria continues his hot start. Like we're all buying it to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, if we're buying him, picking him up in fantasy, then. You know, yeah. Not going to sustain this exact pace, but yeah, we buy that he's. Going to be successful. Jacob Faria, yes. Buy or sell from Owen. Archie Bradley will be an impact starter or closer this year. Sell, and I don't know why they won't let him. I want to see them give him a chance in either the ninth inning or as a starter because I I think he could be a Danny Duffy-esque type. I think he's actually like a really – Danny Duffy's a really good comp for them. him. I know he's a righty and Duffy's a lefty, but – I'm going to say this. I'm going to buy this. Huge prospect. Really big, high upside prospect that just didn't figure it out. Goes to the bullpen, starts throwing harder, starts living up to that potential. Let's see if he can pull a Danny Duffy. I don't know why they haven't given him a shot. Well, there was this debate with Taiwan Walker coming back. Oh, who's out? Is it Zach Godley or yeah. Randall Delgado? I still don't know. Has that been answered? I think Delgado pitched in relief yesterday. Oh, that's he? good. Yeah, much rather Godley stay. But why? I'd rather see Bradley than either of them. Why Patrick Corbin get a pass? Yeah. Like eventually, especially since he was great in the bullpen last September, that was part of the reason I was encouraged about him coming into this year. Yeah, Randall Delgado pitched three innings yesterday, and then moved Bradley into the rotation. I I think with the way the Diamondbacks are headed, one of the best records in the NL, uh, they can only put up with so much more of this from Corbin. And I got an email to read here from Mark in Minnesota. You guys relentlessly bashed Fernando Rodney all spring, indicating he was the worst closer in baseball and shouldn't be drafted. He had very early struggles, but I kept him, and he has rewarded me handsomely. Not only does he have 18 saves, but he has not given up an earned run since April 29th. That's about seven weeks, fellas. I think it's time you recant and give Fernando Rodney his reserve due. You know, I was actually just looking at this this morning. He has allowed zero earned runs, two hits. Two hits! In his last 15 appearances, yeah. that's 
Amazing. Way to go, Fernando. He still got a 5.11 ERA. I know. He's still got like he was so a bad five ERA, he, but he's got like a five ERA <laughs> over the last three seasons. Yeah. Like he's, he, he's just a guy, Chris. He's, you're, yes, he's you're, the definition of just a guy in the bullpen. So yes. he's your number and, eight and closer is, rest of the season. Like, he's got a 5.11 ERA That's for the season. He'll go through stretches like this. He'll probably, the, the way it always happens, and it's actually kind of remarkable. The last three seasons, he's terrible. Or he's really good for one team. He either gets cut or traded, and then he just immediately reverses course. He's just he's just inconsistent. I think that's the the big thing. And so it's like, great, he's had a really good stretch. We've seen really good stretches for Fernando Rodney before, but, but we know it, who he is. If it coincides with the team change, like, is there a chance it's just the overseer? Has some. It's been four God? different teams every time, so I don't think so. Like I, I just think it's random. Some teams know, especially what makes them good, successful. Yeah, and other I teams don't. don't. I think it's Fernando. Rock. Okay, listen, I, they, the, listen. I know the Diamondbacks. You might not agree with me. You got to trade for a closer. You have legitimate World Series aspirations. Fernando Rodney is not going to be the guy to get you there. Like he's a fine fantasy closer to have. He's like, if he's your third best closer, you're probably in decent shape. But like. I would prefer to have been the one who picked him up off waivers over the last couple of weeks than the guy who drafted and had to live through that April. Yeah. Okay, guys. Um, wrapping up buy or sell from Chad Banks. Buy or sell. Mike Moustakas is a top 10 third baseman rest of season. Sell, but <sighs> I do have to move him up. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been kind of like first base at third base where it's just, I know all these guys are good, but how do I move these other guys out of the top ten? Yeah. Well, we were going to do uh, some worryometer and some emails. I will save that for tomorrow. We'll talk about uh, yesterday's action a little bit more. Yasiel Puig suspended for one game for the double middle. He's appealing it. Toronto outfielder Ezekiel Carrera is on the DL with a broken foot. Steve Pierce could be back soon, but the, the Blue Jays called up Dwight Smith Jr. Any interest? No. So. Although he is the first major leaguer. To have come from my high school. Ooh, very cool. There you go. You're first, almost catching up to my high school. First Macintosh High School graduate to reach the major leagues. So that is exciting. Yeah, well, Steve from Aladdin, or Steve from Full House, the voice of Aladdin, went to my high school. So, <laughs> okay. Mike Napoli, JD Martinez, and I have combined for like 300 career home runs from Flanagan High School. Flanagan has a lot. South Florida. We've only has got a two. Lot. We've only got those two. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's, that Considering is a lot. Dwight Smith Jr. <laughs> Number one for us. South Florida, though, man, baseball hotbed. Aladdin. That's all I'm saying. Aladdin. <laughs> Colton Wong left with forearm tightness. Boston starting pitcher Brian Johnson left with shoulder soreness. Zach Cozart sat again with a quad injury. Tim Beckham's day to day, and Aroldis Chapman could be back on Sunday. Remember when we used to do that? That Eric Blank watch, you know, he's doing yeah. Eric Thames. Well, let's not do this. We're changing Eric's. Let's not do this. Even, yeah, we're doing it. Even though Eric Thames homered yesterday, the new Eric watch is the Eric Young Jr. watch. No. He stole his sixth base and he's 10% owned. Eric, Eric Young Jr. watch. Uh, 10%. I mean, the Angels like to run and he can run. They are letting them run. They stole two more bases last night. Maven got his 20th. And I mean, I like him more than Ben Revere. Well, yeah, Ben Revere doesn't play. <laughs> but yeah. if they did, Ben Revere appears to have just completely lost it. Apparently, um, uh, stupid Eric Young. <laughs> okay, I don't know that well, I can provide any more than just, that. You need steals. Eric Young's ten percent owned, and more for you from yesterday. How about Matt Adams? Forty-one percent owned. He's doing very well, uh, to, to suffice, to say, suffice to say yep. with the Braves, yeah. he's been great. And yeah. let me, let me say this about Matt Adams, cause we know he can't hit lefties. The Braves have the fewest at bats in baseball against left-handed pitchers. Three of the bottom four in that stat at bats against left-handed pitchers are in the NL East. So there's reason to believe that Matt Adams is gonna see a lot of righties, and he's crushing them. So, just 41%. Yeah, none of those over. rotations really have multiple lefties, do they? Well, the Braves have well Jaime Garcia, and he doesn't have to face him. Do they the have Marlins else? don't have any. Or Jeff Locke right now, I guess, is the only one. The Nationals have yeah. Geo. That's it. The, the Mets, Mets have Matt. Matt. And not a lot of lefties. Yeah. 
not a lot of lefties, no. Um, so that's good. Like, I don't know that, I don't know conceivably how much higher Adam's ownership percentage can get because we don't want him as much as Lomo, right? And Lomo's 60 something. Right. He's yeah, I mean, Matt Adams' bad track record better discipline. than Lomo's. I don't know that that's even true. Matt Adams had one good half season that got everybody excited where he had a home run to fly ball rate similar to this year's. Uh, but otherwise he's been kind of, uh, empty everything. He has a 780 OPS for his career. I feel like Logan Morrison would kill for a 780 OPS for a season. So you do want Matt Adams more than Logan No, Morrison. I just, I think it's close. You're just extending the argument. I think it's closer. Okay. Tell me which two-star pitcher you'd prefer from, from last night who pitched well, his two starts next week. Francisco Liriano, who's 43% owned and had a good start against Tampa Bay. Liriano is at Texas and at Kansas City next week. Or Jordan Zimmerman at Seattle at San Diego. Liriano or Zimmerman, they're basically owning the same amount of leagues. I'd rather have Liriano. Yeah. His matchups aren't quite as good, but I'd rather have him. Yeah, just a lot more faith that he's not going to completely ruin me. And, I mean, I'm still not ruling out the possibility that he bounces back to his Pittsburgh form. Obviously, this latest start, nine strikeouts in seven innings, a big step in that direction. By the way, CeCe Sabathia could miss at least a month. So the fact that it's going to be such a long-term injury, I think it gives us a better chance of seeing Chance Adams. Better chance. Chance the pitcher. I still think it's going to be Chad Green because they did not go to Green yesterday. We'll see. But but at some point, it could be Chance Adams. No chance. Go Green. There you go. Now, uh, for today's matchups, tell me who you're starting and who you're sitting. Dodgers are at the Indians. Rich Hill and Josh Tomlin. I am starting Rich Hill. Yep. And that's it. Mariners at Twins. Ariel Miranda and Jose Barrios. Barrios? And if I owned Miranda, I think I'd go ahead and put him in there. All right. Chris Tillman and David Holmberg. No thank you? Chris Tillman... I feel like we're going to get a Chris Tillman DL stint soon. His velocity is way down since coming back from that shoulder injury. He's, uh, like, I think two or three miles per hour down on his average fastball. So I will not be starting either of these fellas. Nope. Chris Tillman's velocity and ERA almost match. Like, he's got an <laughs> 8.01 ERA. And fastball's a little over 80, but, you know, you get the point. Uh, Red Sox and Phillies, Chris Sale and Nick Pavetta. Okay, don't even answer that. Gio Gonzalez and Robert Gazelman. I will start Gio. Uh, and, you know, I want to see who the Mets are playing because they could have a bunch of backups in the lineup. Uh, I'm not starting Gazelman against this lineup. But if Gazelman does well, we're going to have to have a big discussion about Gazelman. They're going to be goodbyeman tomorrow. <laughs> uh, as in bye, not goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Gio I Gonz- realize it sounded like I was like doing an Australian yeah. accent. Goodbye, saying goodbye man. Goodbye, man. Yeah, yeah. Robert <laughs> Gazelmate. Uh, you have to think about that one. Very meta. Gio <laughs> Gonzalez is my favorite non-obvious sell-high candidate. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Alright, cool. Alex Cobb and Justin Verlander. Uh, Verlander, for sure. Yeah, and that's it. I don't trust Cobb. Without the without the split change. Okay. Zach Davies and Michael Wacha. Ooh. Neither. Ooh, Wacha. I don't want to start Waka against the Brewers. Um he did bounce back last time, but it is it is dangerous. I uh I would probably avoid him as well. I think we're gonna avoid Matt Moore and Coors Field. Are we gonna start Jeff Hoffman against the Giants at Coors? No. Burnabout's belt's taking him deep tonight. I think this is the only, I think this will gonna, only be his I'm, second home start, Scott, before you, you know, I think he's only had one road, one start at home for Jeff Hoffman and it wasn't good. Yeah, but I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna do it. I, the Giants are terrible and like Coursefield hasn't ruined Hoffman yet. But he's only had he one start. Right, but it's going to take several starts before he develops the bad habits that inevitably happen to every young pitcher who pitches at Coors Field. He's not going to suddenly have these habits formed yet that make it impossible to succeed there. So I am I'm gonna start Hoffman. Jordan Montgomery and Sonny Gray. Starting both. 
Oh, uh, huh? in Oakland. Matt yep. Strom oh. is pitching tonight at Ricky Nolasco. I'm interested in seeing what Matt Strom does, but I'm not starting. Okay, he'll be and on not a pitch count. either. He'll be on a pitch count, so I don't think you want to get too risky with Matt Strom. And that's it for the show. Thank you for listening. We're back tomorrow with two star pitchers, your week 12 help, your Thursday recap, and uh, that's, yeah, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>